0: This is your Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes jam-packed with up-to-the-minute news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice every weekday. This is Monica Perez.
1: And I'm Brad Winkler.
0: Today's top story. Over the weekend, Hong Kong had elections that are being touted far and wide as being a massive blow against the pro-Beijing forces by the pro-democracy uprising solidarity that has now been proven out at the polls so i looked into this a little bit and
1: you mean democracy from- <laughs> one the pro in an
0: election wow. run by anti-democracy people the pro democracy it is just it's almost impossible logically to say there was a fair election in a place that doesn't have democracy <laughs> yep Anyway, but I cracked the code a little bit on what it all means just as a as far as like how to understand the stories. So this, this election doesn't actually have much of an impact, but it was being viewed as a proxy to see as the executive, the chief executive of Hong Kong had been saying, we have this pro-Beijing silent majority here. And I can't abandon them by capitulating to what are called pro-democracy forces. So this election was being viewed as a kind of proxy for how if people are kind of pro-democracy or pro-Beijing. Now, some of the details are a little fuzzy, so I can't really make a definitive statement. So the big, the big points are... That these elections, maybe it's the only things they're really allowed to elect, these elections are for seats at a kind of local council level that don't have a lot of power outside of where do park benches go and that kind of thing,
1: very little power
0: yes and and the total the all of them put together make up about ten percent of the deciding force for appointing the legislator or the chief executive. So there is some power, but it could not possibly move the dial. So there was a big turnout. They said that 71% of the elector, so the people who could vote, which was about 50% of the population of Hong Kong, which I don't think the math works exactly. That's what I was reading, but it was about 3 million people. Well over 10% of them were first-time voters uh, or new voters or new registrants. It's a little hard to tell, but it looks like a lot of the young people came out. And and here's what I find to be the critical question I cannot find an answer to. I don't know how significant that, say, 15% swing is because they're talking about how 90% of the elections went to the pro-democracy candidate. However, when I look at previous articles uh, about previous elections, it says seven hundred. One example I saw was seven hundred eighty three thousand votes were cast for the pro Beijing candidate. Five hundred and forty thousand votes were cash, cast for the pro democracy candidate. Now that's not that's not a ninety percent victory for pro Beijing yet pro. Yet Beijing did hold all of those seats. So if every single district has 51% pro-Beijing or 51% pro-democracy, to use their terms, then you can have a 90% win, you know, 90% of the districts can go for pro-democracy without that really meaning that 90% of the voters. So I think it's being misled. I cannot find that raw data. I'm sure it's out there if I really put my mind to it. But I, I suspect that at most that flipped. And then you could see what significance that 400,000 new voters, who my guess is you, you, that's where you might have had some election irregularity. They say that these guys have a pretty buttoned up elections process, That that if you were going to have kind of impact on the results, nefarious impact, it would have been kind of intimidation. And there were reports of intimidation, even attacks on both sides. So both candidates were victims of this kind of attack. So it's hard to know. Uh, I, of course, I'm taking it with a grain of salt, the way it's presented as 90% of the Hong Kong is pro-democracy.
1: Yeah. And the local government also is the emphasis I've heard in the news about how the impact of these local elections on the the national election and the power that people hold, they're trying to parallel it with America in the reporting that I've heard.
0: Oh, that's interesting because I did have that in my mind. Like I guess it could be like our electoral college where you can have an absolute landslide in the college and have almost 50-50 in the popular vote.
1: Yeah, what I'm saying is they're using the language that Indivisible uses in the emails they send out to people. Okay,
0: explain it. I'm not understanding. In
1: that they're saying the power of these local elections, if you get people and we nominate people kind of like they did with AOC. Yes, yes. And we get you to go out and run. We can give back power to the people by taking over these local elections. And we've talked about how Soros has funded a lot of these local elections to gain control by infiltrating the local elections. So they're emphasizing that same theme in the reporting that i've heard and i believe at least one of the angles is to as another demonstration you see the protest over here they got violent they got tough we lost lives but in the end democracy worked.
0: right right and you, you're pointing out what i think is very important to understand and actually it 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 gives the it kind of explains my idea that how do you have elections in a place that's not pro-democracy? Because what is elected doesn't really have a lot of power. Whereas here that's not true. If you if you turn over all the DAs and then the DAs then in turn give up their power to the DOJ, which is what's happening right now, the fact that you got a Soro Schill in as DA and he gave up all his power to the FBI and the Department of Justice that's really meaningful. These guys, that's not possible in this. They they really don't have the power there.
1: Yeah, it's symbolic,
0: it seems yes, like. Yes, this I, seems symbolic, whereas I think that what you're pointing out about taking over the elections here, the local stuff here, isn't, is not isn't—is more than symbolic.
1: Yes, it's more than symbolic, and I think that the reporting of this will kind of be spun into, you see how this high percentage of turnout, it put pro-democracy people in office, so they're going to use it as a get-out-the-vote type thing, along with showing the effectiveness of intense activism. And I'm interested to see if the protesting dies down over there and see if anything gets changed because I think that that is a tell for if any of it had any real effect over there or if it was strictly for purposes of modeling and propaganda outwardly.
0: Well, I I think – You've been ahead of that, and it's crystal clear that this is there is contagion. I, I was just reading the journal today. I just counted the number of protests that were had articles dedicated to them in the Wall Street Journal today. It was Bolivia, Colombia, Chile, Hong Kong, Iran. And I would even say one article about Egypt closing down its last uh, journalistic outlet could count for that. That's not protest yet, but I see the contagion. I see what you're saying. I think that there absolutely has to be an underlying issue that we're accomplishing here in Hong Kong for uh, here with the respect to Hong Kong specifically. I think that it's, it's no accident that the legislation we're passing to, to highlight that Hong Kong is not, is no longer to be respected as an autonomous nation. It will kick Hong Kong into the orbit of china and and it will be easier i think it will really hurt china if hong kong is i don't know but it's it's possible that it would hurt china if hong kong no longer has like a freer it, i i think it might even be benefit to china to have hong kong which is so important to them have a little more liberty and not and they and china doesn't have to say to the rest of china like oh you guys Get this liberty, too. Hong Kong has this special status, which we are going to eliminate. So China might like it on the one hand, but we might like it in that we put pressure on China as a whole in like trade negotiations and other stuff like that. It's hard to know what the ulterior motive is, but I think there is one.
1: I agree. I think they're going to use this for – it's been such a central focus of the news, and it's been so chaotic. They can use it for multiple purposes. And you brought this story up last week. And it didn't quite register with me the full impact of what you were saying, I think, about this university protest where you were saying that it sounds like they're being held prisoner the way they're talking about it. Hostages, yes. Hostages. I heard – I was listening to that today, and they were over and over again – this was on NPR. I was listening to it, and I saw it on other outlets too. The university protesters are still trapped, some of them – can hardly form sentences anymore and they wow. are refusing to eat and, and i'm like how are they still how are they trapped i don't understand how they're trapped and then I read a little bit more and then buried at the bottom of the article and i think you were touching on this last week but buried at the bottom of the article was how the police agreed that anybody under 18 could leave but if you're over 18 and you were involved in these protests then when you leave you're going to be arrested so right they're framing the fact that they're they're refusing to leave because they'll be arrested as them being held hostage and prisoner.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, or yes, yes, and that's another thing. I'm my guess is there's a mix of people in there. So some people are maybe the get, the ringleaders. You know, they're probably not even students. These these masked people, some of whom repelled off of bridges to getaway cars for safety. Yeah, some of those people are probably professional protesters are like the way Libya was working a thousand basically western finance terrorists went in and made it look like certain things were happening so those guys probably won't come out and they probably won't let the other people come out so yeah. that if you were really a victim and could prove it you could go to the cops and say or even take your lumps wouldn't you rather unless they're so insanely brutal but I don't think in Hong Kong the, the Jails are brutal, and with this kind of scrutiny, they've shown nothing but a desire to capitulate. I think that they could probably negotiate a deal with the cops that, like, unless they were a ringleader, they wouldn't get be totally, you know, tortured to death in prison or whatever. It just seems a little sketchy.
1: Yeah, it does seem really sketchy. One of the people they were interviewing, or at least they were talking about in this interview, was definitely on a, a hunger strike. And that's when it alerted to me. I'm going, how is this person being held hostage if he's on a hunger? Oh, he doesn't want to leave because he probably threw a Matoff cocktail. Or you're right. The pressure from a professional protester is going to cause some of these people to kind of be in prison.
0: Well, and those guys, I think the professional protesters are probably worried about getting arrested. I mean, those people, if they get exposed for what they really are – you know what I mean? Maybe they have to go down with this ship. I don't know. But there is something definitely fishy about this story, about what's happening at that university, about the siege, about people escaping. At first, it was revealed that some people were trying to escape out the sewers, and the authorities were getting in there to try to help them, rescue them. And then that story changed to they were trying to escape, and the authorities were trying to get in there to a- a- arrest them. But I think they were literally that trying to escape. It could be the escape. same thing,
1: though, yeah. It could, and but—
0: rescue. But I feel like who are they trying to escape down the sewers from?
1: Yeah, yeah. The
0: cops or the professional ringleaders?
1: I'm interested as to who the people who got elected are and where they came from. Are they professional protesters? Were they nominated by professional protesters? I'm sure that they were. I'm sure if they came out of all of these protests that's been going on the past few months that they might have been selected in a similar way that Cortez was or others. And if that's the case, then the people who got put in "quote" power might simply have concentrated a little bit of power to themselves while not truly intending to do any of the things that they, whatever the things they say they wanted to do for these protests, because these protests had shifting demands, and whenever a demand would get met, they would. Yeah, just but shift these guys the
0: have post. no power at all. So I don't at this time. So who are they? Whatever. Now we we I don't think we'll know. I think we need to get more information um but the you were talking about soros i i have been following this ukraine story not from the impeachment point of view but the it made news today as the guys who giuliani supposedly were in league with
1: Oh yeah, Pernas Fruman. and
0: Furman, yeah, that they're going to cooperate and they're they're putting Nunez uh, under the bus and all that. But there was just one little detail about it that I found very interesting. The story is that those guys went to Naftogas and said to the one of the deputies or whatever. Uh, are you our guy? Because we want to take the CEO out. He's Soros' guy, and we want to put you in. We need our guy in here. And I got to tell you, that is so totally consistent with what I was beginning to surmise last week of what would make sense about this. Ukraine is just all about money and corruption. And Giuliani, in my opinion, is a two-bit, Low life operator. I think he took the Italian mob out to put the Russian mob in when he was prosecutor. And that's just my opinion, it's just speculation. But when I saw this unfold, I thought to myself, those guys see where the action is and they want a piece of it. They're not as masterful at it as the Democrats who are working with George Soros and the U S government with anti-corruption activities and all this stuff. I mean, there is no way these guys are going to hold a candle to them. It's kind of like the way the CFR has a counterpart in the conservative movement, the CFP or something, but you never even heard of it. It's that like, in it's just not very good. So so the journal, of course, is making it, or where, where whatever outlets I was reading, is making this Naftogas thing look like what a bunch of paranoid freaks trying to pin this at Soros. But I, I had been posting articles last week about how George Soros said, "We need to, we need to get outside loans to guarantee my investment in Naftogas, and we need to take away people's subs- subsidies to the gas." which would make the prices go through the roof. And it, from what I could tell, I don't know exactly the mechanism, but that was all a way for him to get control. He made it very clear he wanted control of the financial sector and he wanted control of the energy sector. That's what Soros wanted. And it actually said in a 2015 Forbes article that Soros put in that guy, that CEO, it named him by name. And he said, and they said, uh, I think his name was Andrei Kobalev. They said in that Forbes article that Soros put him in, and that is who these Ukraine guys said, we want to swap him out for our guy. So if they were looking at this Ukraine thing and Giuliani and Trump as as saying there's corruption there, Trump and Giuliani were trying to get their cronies in, I would believe that. The fact that they're saying it's trying to get Biden out is complete because of political reasons. I don't believe that for a second. I, it, this is about the money. I don't know if Trump was in on it or not, but that's all that it's about. And the one last thing is they they continue to say people were shocked that Yovanovitch, the ambassador, was taken out, fired in May, when it was absolutely a matter of course that at the end of three years you get replaced by the next guy. And that's what happened. And So that is just a BS factor here, but uh, I just think that's Yeah, they're doing on. that a lot. Yeah, they're saying that, it, but it's just not
1: true. Not, yeah, I know, not just with that. With all of this stuff, they're pulling things out of context, blatantly out of context, shining a light on what's going on that's normal.
0: I totally agree. And
1: acting like it's just, holy cow, hell froze over.
0: Yes, I totally agree. Many, many times it'll say stuff like that. And you're like, if you read the articles around that at the time, you would see that's why I want to find this stuff that's about withholding aid. I think that withholding aid was completely par for the course when Zelensky, maybe unexpectedly, I mean, not, not immediately before, but we were still putting up the good fight. Uh, I, I think that we wanted the other guy to win. I don't think we wanted Zelensky to win. So when he got in... I think withholding aid maybe was a way to make sure Zelensky capitulated or in a more general sense or was somebody you could work with. I think it was par for the course.
1: Now they're saying related to that that Trump's talk of this Ukraine crowd strike thing conspiracy is going to jeopardize election security. And they're what? very much attaching conspiracy jeopardize election security.
0: That, <laughs> I get what you're. Yeah. I get where you're going with this.
1: If you bring up a conspiracy theory, and we know this, we've talked about it a lot. It's going to be identified as Russian, and it's going to be removed. And there's a lot of things coming from a lot of different areas that are circling in on that right now.
0: I read an article today of like this Facebook guy who was totally on Trump's side during the Trump election yeah. and then he completely turned and now he's he what he was doing. But what was really interesting about the article is that it said what he was doing, they were customizing ads to a person's demographic to the point where the same ad could have a hundred thousand permutations. Now to me, that's that birds of a feather thing. That's AI. That's where oh, wow. they can Use AI to isolate you and how to push your buttons, and that in itself could have been a test run of how to do that.
1: Yeah. So I've got my thousand variants that's what, the same ad. that's what it
0: said. That's what it said. I mean, I can find the quote. It would take me a minute, but yeah, it said a hundred thousand uh, things that would decide whether it would say donate or give it would decide just how it what language to use how, whether to make it a square or a rectangle up and down or sideways that kind of thing i don't know uh, another thing that's getting weird treatment i don't know what to think of it what do you know about this eric gallagher story
1: i don't know a lot about it other than what i read this morning and i don't know the details of his trial I haven't seen the picture that he took or any of that. Yeah,
0: that's the stuff I I didn't have time to dig into, but I I did read about the fallout. It seems like
1: it's trying to be framed as Trump causing chaos again. Mm -hmm. It's always Trump's trying to be—they're trying to frame Trump as doing the wrong thing, obviously. I don't know what the right thing is. I have no idea what's going on.
0: Yeah, I mean that's why I think this one is weird for me because I actually— I'm I'm taking it as what you see is what you get. First pass here. And I'm I'm kind of on the side of the guy who is against Trump. I don't I don't see this. So this Richard Spencer and, and a top admiral, Richard Spencer was I guess the head of the Navy, a civilian. And a top admiral had threatened to resign if Trump blocked Gallagher's expulsion from the Navy Seals. If and they supposedly went behind the scenes to Trump and said, "Look, we'll make sure he keeps his trident pin or whatever status he has, but we have to be able to discipline him as we see fit, according to the rule of law and the needs of discipline. And the secretary of defense, supposedly, this is what he said, that he fired him or asked for his resignation, which I think is weird. I think you should just fire them because he went around the train of command up to Trump. Now, I don't know what to make of all that, but, as I read the the kind of departure letter from Spencer where he says we we just have to be able to maintain this, I, I just have two comments on it. One is he's absolutely right. If you have the responsibility for running this organization, you have to have the authority to do it as you see fit. That's something that people need to remember or whatever they don't always know that responsibility and authority go hand in hand. You cannot – if you have responsibility for something you don't have authority over, you need to commit, quit immediately. You need to resign immediately because you are going to be held accountable for something you cannot control. So he's right on that front in my opinion. And the other thing is he says they have to have rule of law. They have to be able to promise other countries, allies, whatever, that, that we have complete control over our soldiers and they – are not going to get out of line. And if they do, they will be disciplined. And for me, I'm a strong advocate of this because I've seen how horribly wrong it's gone in policing that you can't get a decent investigation of William Powell or Ryan Johnson to take an example from uh, around here uh, of the of the guys who have gone in to um, the guy who, the, the cop who shot he was chasing a drunk driver and the, then the drunk driver crashed and was trying to crawl out of the car in paradise california the guy the cop shot him and didn't tell anybody and and the the car and the and the wreck said the cop shot me and the other cop said he definitely didn't meanwhile the the cam on the car showed the cop looking for shells on the ground and that driver ultimately died and they didn't do anything to that cop after the guy died it was murder and he had to get a reprimand, something mild, but when you have these guys never, ever getting further than just a cursory grand jury dismissal where the grand jury doesn't even see all the evidence, you get out of control, people in authority, you absolutely have to have accountability at that level, you absolutely must have it, and so if this is what you see is what you get, I'm in support of Richard Spencer taking a stand.
1: I don't disagree with that about the order of it. I just suspect that whatever the photo was taken was probably done at the instruction of somebody, or to send a warning to enemies. It was probably, I'm guessing, because these people know that if they take a picture that comes out that's doing something, because this Abu Grade picture, yeah, who would do it? Yeah, right. They know that it's going to be in trouble if it gets out. They're not dumb, and you know. In the olden days, they'd cut people's heads off and put them on a spike. I'm not saying it's good. It's terrible. Yes, nails to the tree.
0: Terrible. Yeah, that's true. And he did. I believe the Gallagher got off. He yeah. was exonerated. Well, he yet.
1: was being charged with murdering one of the ISIS people, and then somebody else came and confessed, and he ended up yeah. being charged with taking a picture yes. holding one of uh, the dead bodies' heads. Right,
0: right, right. And yeah. it wasn't <laughs> severed, I
1: don't believe. I, I don't know. Right. I haven't seen it. But I think that, I don't know, I suspect that there is some of this in that war fighting culture with people who have been these soldiers. I'm not kidding. I'm not, yeah.
0: Terrorism.
1: Yeah. I'm not saying it's good at all, but I'm saying yeah, yeah, that
0: yeah. painting a face on your helmet. Yeah. I, I'm
1: there's, there's a reason that this particular instance
0: yes, has been right.
1: brought to light because I highly doubt it's the only one like this that's been right. going on.
0: I wonder if there are any legs to this story or if, I mean, you don't usually get stuff on the front page, if it's not super significant, what could be a wild card, what could be a genuine thing is that this guy, Richard Spencer, had to resign. I don't know. I mean, I I just don't. I don't have a sense of what underlying agenda this might be serving, if any. But I suspect you're right. That kind of thing doesn't usually bubble up to the surface unless there's a purpose to it.
1: Well, we have some Jeffrey Epstein-related news. Would you like to hear it?
0: Yeah, that'll lighten up the show.
1: <laughs> Ghislaine Maxwell looked up how to pronounce her name. Yeah. Ghislaine Maxwell. Yeah. Jeffrey Epstein's madam, his number one, or his handler. Handler, uh, Hassan, I some think. Believe, both,
0: both, both.
1: Is set to come out from hiding very soon in the coming days and reveal to the media or the FBI. This is according to a source familiar with her lawyers. All of the details that will exonerate herself and Prince Andrew, who she's going to defend. She's told pals, oh, my according to the source, she has told pals that she thinks the picture of her and Prince Andrew with Virginia Roberts has been doctored. She has no recollection of it, and it seems strange to her because it doesn't bear a time stamp on it. I'm looking at a picture <laughs> right now from around that same time in my house. None of them have timestamps on them. <laughs> So she's going to come out allegedly and defend Prince Andrew, who has apparently been removed from all his duties in England. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a fallout coming with him, and I would love it if Maxwell came out and see to see what her story is, to see where this yeah. next chapter goes in the Jeffrey here's, Epstein saga.
0: Here's my prediction that… She allegedly comes out. It's not in a way that you can verify who she is. It's not going to be a video with a timestamp on it. She's not going to be holding today's newspaper or whatever. And there is going to be some question about the authenticity of her statement. I'm not necessarily saying deep fake. I'm just, it might, it might play into that. Like they're all talking about, but I think that this, I just, I'm not sure she's alive and I have a feeling that we're never going to see her again.
1: Oh yeah. In the article, it showed a picture, what was said to be a picture of her, and it kind of looked like her, but the picture was very, very fuzzy, and she was kind of standing in the background, and it said this is the last time she's been seen in public, and it was from June 6th of this year. So I guess that go- goes was ahead. Was it at in
0: and out Because no. that In-N-Out picture was two years old.
1: Right. So what I'm saying is it goes ahead and eliminates that theory, even though we already knew that picture was old. Yeah, because this happened before that picture allegedly came out, and um, or that picture did come out, but it was an old picture. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So yeah, hmm. I, this whole deep fake angle of this is really interesting to me. They haven't called it deep fake or anything, but the fact that these two people, two out of the three people that were in the picture now, are both saying they don't remember it and they think it's fake, and this is a picture that was 15 years old. What, I mean, and
0: where's where's Virginia Roberts? Let's talk to her about it. I mean, she's she, I think that her. She did do that interview with a bunch of other people, and it was she didn't get a lot of time to talk. And we know that ABC or CBS, whichever it was, I think ABC shut her up. And I think that they're using deep fakes and conspiracy theories to hide the truth about what the real conspiracy theories. It's just, it's just noise. It's just adding, like Cass Sunstein said, put false statements into a a legitimate conspiracy theory to discredit it. Now I feel like they are are overwhelming the news cycle with with conspiracy theories so that you just can't tell it's like a hall of mirrors
1: yeah and google is now bringing people in to take pictures of them and making deep fakes out of these pictures. So they'll, they'll take a video of somebody walking down the street. Then they'll have video of another group of people sitting in a hallway, and then they'll digitally switch the faces. They'll put the faces of men on women and vice versa. So the people in the hallway, you'll see video of them walking down the street. People walking wow. down the street, you see video of them in the hallway. And it says that the whole reason that the Google is doing this is because they're trying to train their algorithms because their scientists believe that by learning how to create these deep fakes, then they're going to learn how to spot and stop these deep fakes. So kind of like wow. creating military weapons and preemptively attacking, yes. you go ahead and create the best deep fakes in the world so that you can stop the deep fakes.
0: Wow. And it sounds to me like they've got it to where it's it'll look seamless. It's all generated computer-wise. Again, you could have AI do this on such scale that it can manipulate individuals. You could individually show somebody a video without even having a human being have to target that person. You yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You could just if you ha- if you were like, oh, we need to target Brad Binkley and let's create this video deep fake that's going to ruin his life, whatever. They could or show you something that's going to make you distrust somebody in your life. If if you if they made it to the point where just any low level troll, as we have much experience with, could do that kind of thing. I yeah. mean, they could really scale it. I mean, just think of the scale of trolls. Imagine if they had the power to win every argument because they could prove your that you were up to no good. That's you what were they or not. say
1: that it's getting faster and easier for people to use, and it's going to create a situation that they call, and we've talked about this, but not with this term, they call it the liar's dividend. Which the hmm. liar's dividend is when if it's a real video, you can claim it's fake by calling it a deepfake or vice versa, and you have no way of knowing. Hmm. It, the article talks about that. It says that these deepfakes have already challenged our assumptions about what is real and what is not. In recent months, evidence was at the center of incidents in Brazil and Central Africa mm-hmm. and China. … where there was a question of, is this video real? Like the Gabonese president was out of the country for medical care, and his government released a so-called proof-of-life video, and opponents claimed that the video was to be faked, and experts call this the liar's dividend.
0: Hmm, It's
1: an interesting term to look for. So
0: liar's dividend means that liars benefit from it because they can yes. use it as an a plausible excuse?
1: Yeah, exactly
0: gosh yeah this is a dangerous world and this is only possible because we all got corralled into the digiverse for our all of our politic political action and all of our economic activity and even our social stuff but like the digiverse is critical for political and economic functioning right now i mean james corbett maybe was right just step off it and i but i think it's I hate to say it i just i think it's i think you would not really be able to
1: I'm starting to think I'm a deep fake. be deepfake.
0: neutralized. Are you a deep fake? I, I might be. I
1: have no idea. Did you come I've up always with digiverse? Wondered,
0: I, I think I invented that, but my guess is it already exists. No, I like
1: that term, digiverse. Yeah, I,
0: I, I invented it, and then I was like, there's no way it's not out there somewhere. <laughs> I don't even Google them anymore because every good word I come up with when you're trolling 7 billion people for – or trawling. I have to uh, say, yeah,
1: I completely yeah. agree. My friend and I, we were talking the other day about how Trump – actually months ago about how Trump needs to come out and identify as a woman, and (laughs) that way he can walk around going, as the first female president of the United States, have broken glass ceilings. And then he also claimed to be in the LGBT community because he'd be married to a woman.
0: Nice, nice. for months
1: we we talked about this, me and my friend. Yesterday – Kevin Sorbo, an actor or director or something, tweeted almost verbatim the exact same thing.
0: Oh my gosh! That we
1: had been joking about
0: sounds kind of original. How he could do it, and think of what an awful woman Trump would look like. And as a matter of fact, if you just <laughs> if you just Google it, I'm sure there's a mock up of him looking like Dame Edna or whatever.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, there will be anyway. There will be.
0: Dude, this music is putting me in such the mood for a holiday week. <laughs> I'm very excited for Thanksgiving, but we will be back tomorrow. And uh, and then we'll tell you how to cope with um, an unorthodox show schedule for the week. Lots of original stuff, but not exactly what you get most of the time. It'll be bonuses.
1: You guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. at propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. We will talk to you all tomorrow.